You're listening to the Naptime Empires podcast with my mom, Nikki Ellidge Brown. Mom, your show's on. Thanks, bud. I got it from here. Welcome to the Naptime Empires podcast, refreshingly honest conversations on the realities of parenthood and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Nikki Ellidge Brown. Let's get started. Here we go, episode number eight. This is getting real over here, dude. I just checked my stats in Libsyn, which is where I host the podcast. And we're officially, as of this moment, as I'm recording, at 3,864 downloads. So not bad. I think we're doing all right for our newbie podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to listen. I'm really excited about the conversation that I'm sharing with you today. I knew as soon as it was happening, I think I say this in the conversation, that this is going to be so valuable because you don't get anything but real talk with Rachel Luna. Let me give you her official bio and then I'll dive into what you can expect in this show. Rachel Luna is a best-selling author, international speaker, and elite business coach. A former U.S. Marine, this 4-foot-11-inch firecracker has a reputation for inspiring confident action and helping her clients double, triple, and quadruple their income. If you're stuck in a rut and want to increase your income and your confidence so you can get to the next level, Rachel's the woman to call. Now, I met Rachel years ago through the magic of Facebook and our mutual buddy, Andrea Crowder, who has her own episode on Naptime Empires coming up this season. The two of them are launching their own podcast together, so I will link that up in the show notes because it launches this month in February 2017, I believe. So I will link that up in naptimeempires.com. For this episode, it'll be naptimeempires.com slash 008. But yeah, Rachel and I met in real life in Vegas last year in 2016, and it was glorious. She got to snuggle Deacon, who was smitten with her. I just love her energy. Like I said, real talk. She just goes there quickly and deeply, and it's just so refreshing. You'll see what I mean within less than two minutes into this conversation. Specifically, in this one, we'll talk about how she faced imposter syndrome when starting out as a life coach, the power of transforming your mess into your message, the jobby trap, which is like job and hobby, a job that's more of a hobby than a business, her struggle with being consistently inconsistent and what she learned from it, a super honest discussion around resentment and the expectations that come with the roles as mom, wife, and business owner. I really don't want you to miss that one. Permission to have your own wants and desires that don't revolve around your kids. What? Her thoughts on the yes train and the power of getting support. There's just so much in this conversation. Just a heads up, we do talk about some adult stuff right from the beginning. So if you have little ears around, you may prefer to use earbuds or save this for your me time. And by the way, let's just assume that that's the case for all of these episodes for the record. This is mama's time. Let's roll. We are officially recording. Rachel Luna, you're one of my favorite humans, and I love just being in your space and physically in your space because we actually got to hang out in Vegas earlier this year. So I know about you, but I would love for you to just to help kind of frame the conversation, tell us more about your kiddos, like the setup so that we know how to process, okay, here's how she's building her empire with these little ones in tow. Tell us about the little ones in tow. Well, first of all, I had to like stifle my giggle <laughs> with your intro because I love you too, Nikki Elledge Brown. And I'm just grateful to be here with you and all the listeners. So what up, yo? 
Hey. All right. So let's talk about this, uh, building my empire with my babies. Yep. So, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. If I could go back to 26-year-old Rachel, I'd be like, homegirl, have no children. You're going to be a successful entrepreneur. <laughs> you ain't got time for that. <laughs> like, get your head out of your ass. Stop <laughs> dancing and hoeing around and going to clubs because I lived in Germany at the time. Ah, and I was in the Marine Corps. Yes. Yeah. And focus because you're about to build a really successful business and you need every bit of alone time and personal time that you can get. But I have no time machine to make that happen. So what really happened is I had no clue what I wanted to be when I grew up. I was a Marine. I had been in the Marine Corps for several years and I was coming up on that point where I had to decide I'm either going to extend and reenlist or mm -hmm. I'm going to get out of Dodge and like go figure out my life. Both thoughts were equally scary. Yeah. And so I hired a life coach to help me sort of navigate. Now, mind you, at that time, I was also over $40,000 in debt. I was yo-yoing back and forth with my weight. I had two eating disorders growing up. So I was just, you know always struggling to make weight in the Marine Corps. I was bouncing from one crappy relationship to another. At that particular year, I found out that my quote unquote boyfriend of three years on and off was actually happily married. <gasps> oh <my God. laughs> yes, girl. Yes. His wife knew who I was. She knew about me. She didn't know that I was his lover. She thought I was his best friend. I mean, it was crazy pants. The events that were happening 2006, 2007 in my life, it was just chaotic. And I knew that I was out of control and I needed some help and support. So I made the $600 a month investment, which was super duper scary for me because I was in all this debt. And I hired a life coach and it was the best thing I could have ever done for myself at that time because she really helped me get my life together, get more organized, get more focused and really decide what I wanted. And I didn't walk away from those sessions knowing exactly what I wanted, but I knew exactly what I didn't want. Knowing what you don't want is just as important as knowing what you do want, both in life and in business. Yeah. Because when you know what you don't want, that weeds out a lot of stuff. And then you can go back to the drawing board. Like, well, this feels good. Well, that feels good. Oh, that's not so good. And sort of try things on for size. Yeah, exactly. Trial and error. Yeah. So she suggested that I become a life coach. And I remember the conversation and I said, you're crazy. I don't have my life together. Like, there's no way I could coach somebody else when I'm in my own mess. And she said, well, no, you shouldn't become a life coach right now. She said, you should study and get certified and learn the tools because once you get yourself organized, once you fix your life, you're going to be able to help other people do the same. And we all want to learn from someone who's been in our same struggle. And I thought, hmm, okay, that sounds good. It sounded like a great idea. So I did. I went to the International Coach Academy online. I lived in Europe at the time. So I would have to take classes at like two o'clock in the morning, four in the morning, like random times because of the time zone difference. And I just started studying. And in the course of that, I met my husband. I got pregnant first, mm -hmm. then I got married. <laughs> yeah. A little backwards. But throughout this whole time, I was still in the Marine Corps. I 
was studying to be a life coach. I was taking on free clients because I had to have 750 coaching hours where not only was I coaching people, but I also had to be coached for like 200 hours so that I understood the process and the journey that the client would go through. And I think that's really important. Like, I just want to throw this side tidbit. If there's any coaches in the mist and those of you who are thinking like, I want to be a coach, I want to be a lifestyle coach or whatever, please take some time to get some training because there's a big difference between being a coach who facilitates transformation and results and someone who's just really good at listening and giving feedback. Yeah. And to my second point, please make sure that you yourself hire a coach because until you make that investment yourself, it will be very difficult for you to feel like you deserve other people's investment. That being said, I got certified. My husband got orders to Japan and I got out of the Marine Corps. Oh, I got out of the Marine Corps. We had our second child. We got orders to Japan and I found myself without a job in Okinawa, Japan with these two little babies who were two years old and three months. Okay. So, so when y'all got to Japan, they were two and three months. Correct. So I had two babies in diapers that could not speak. Right. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, like this is never going to end. I can't, I'm not cut out for this. Like I thought motherhood was going to be something different and mm. I don't know what this is, but I don't like this. Mm. They're needy. They cry. Like I fix their hair one minute and I turn <laughs> around and then their hair is all over the place. Like this got one got on my, my makeup. Like my little one had gotten into all the makeup and Mac, the good stuff <laughs> over the face and the floor. And it, despite all this chaos, I decide this is the perfect time for me to start a business. Right. Why not? So Why not? you were yeah. doing the life coach training. You started it while y'all were over in Europe, but then had you finished it by the time y'all got to? Oh, Oklahoma? yes. So I got my certification. I actually had been certified for almost two years before I started my, like officially planted my flag in, opened up my website and said like, I'm here, please pay me. Okay. So I decide I'm going to start this business and I noticed that's when things got very, very uncomfortable for me in many different areas. Number one, I am a creative and so most creative people are rather disorganized and I was no exception, incredibly disorganized, incredibly inconsistent. Like the name of my game was hurry up and start and stop right before you get to the finish line mm. or stop when you get tired or stop when it gets too hard or stop when your husband is making comments. So for me, I found myself in this hamster wheel where I felt like I was always working. I was always on Facebook, always on Facebook. And actually I took that as a sign of like a badge of honor. Let's look at how messed up this time was, right? <laughs> because I remember, do you know Elizabeth Dialto? Yes, yes. Okay. Love her. So Elizabeth D'Alto and Denise Duffield Thomas and I all went through B school at the same time. And so Denise Duffield Thomas was my hustle buddy. So we would get on Skype and like talk about all this work that we were going to get done and do. And Denise would go out and do it. And 
like we check in and then I still not have made very much progress. And then I was always online, always on Facebook. And I remember Elizabeth said, oh my gosh, girl, do you ever sleep? Like what time is it over there? Because you're on in the morning, you're on in the night. Yeah. I lived on Facebook and I kept telling myself I'm working. Okay. So what were you doing when you were on Facebook? I mean, were you like around? I guess I don't know. Like when, (laughs) so I was, I mean, what I was doing was building relationships. I was spending a lot of time in Facebook groups in particular, the B school group at that time, this is back in 2011, 2012, there were only 400 B schoolers. Mm. So it was quiet in there. And when you showed up and posted something, people actually talked to you and we were all excited to be doing this work. So we were all having conversations and it was a lot of conversation about the ideas that we had, about the things that we wanted to do, about the things that we had scheduled on our agenda, but there was very little being produced on my end. Right. The actual doing versus just Mm -hmm. talking about how fun it'll be when you actually do it, which is definitely a trap that it's easy to slip into. Mm-hmm. Now I started to notice a lot of things get uncomfortable because now my husband, all he saw was me in front of the computer. I wasn't making any money. My kids were just always, I felt like they were always up my butt <laughs> around my ankles. Mommy, this, as soon as I would get into a, a, like a flow with writing, something would happen. So then I'd have to stop. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm going to create the Luna learning lab and I'm going to do a homeschool and I'm going to create the schedule. (laughs) And I had a schedule and there was a nap time and there was a devotion and it worked for like two or three days, but you know who the kink and the chain was? Mm. It was me. Yeah. Because I wasn't consistent. I was consistency. It's always about consistency. I was consistently inconsistent. Yeah. And the killer is that people wanted to hire me. People wanted to buy things from me, but they had no idea what I could do for them. They only saw me as this online presence of someone who was always posting positive things and helping and like telling people, you know, get up and go, you can do it. And here's three ways to be more productive. And so I was giving a lot of tips, Mm -hmm. but there was no real framework for how they could work with me. So I wasn't making any money. I was always on the computer. My kids were grossly neglected and not for love. Like these girls have always gotten so much love, but in terms of like eye contact Mm. and sitting there and playing with them and me being fully present, I was not. Yeah. I would sit and play with them, but my mind would be like, I got to get back on Facebook. I got to get back to this email. I got to do this. I got to do that. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. And so my body was there, but my mind was on all the other things that I thought I needed to do to build my business. Dude, that's so, I mean, that's going to resonate with so many people. I know it sure does for me because I'm like, in theory, well, and I'm curious because earlier you said, I've been doodling notes over here, but you said something about motherhood just not being what you thought it was going to be. And it's like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, yes, my mom was super present with me. I'm the youngest of four girls and she was like super creative and helping to decorate all the school parties and classroom mom and stuff. And then me, and I loved school. Like I loved school, total teacher's pet, Nikki, you know, I'm sure that's really hard to imagine. And so whenever Bryson started being in school and like mother's day out, 
I'm like feeling like what the heck is going on where there's such a disconnect where I'm forgetting to bring like cheese cubes to the party. Like not only am I not there and decorating and helping and volunteering and helping set up, I'm not even like meeting my bare minimum. Like, you know, we're like grabbing Rice Krispie treats just on the way out of the commissary to like write people's names in Sharpie. Like this is not how I pictured myself showing up. And there's a bit of a grace, right? Because it's like, we have to be honest with ourselves about like how we want to show up and the choices that we make to be able to do that. But then also knowing that like certain things, I mean, you're just not going to do it all. You're not going to be able to play full out in every area all the time. It's just like we're human, you know? So anyway. Oh, girlfriend, I totally resonate with you because I always felt like such a jerk when they'd be like, all right, you know, who's going to bring this dish or that dish? And I'd be like, I'll bring plates. Right. Or, like, <laughs> and like, and it's not like I would be prepared and get it a week ahead. No, I'd get it on the way to, and then I'd be late. And I felt like, you know, the crappy mom. Anyway, so my husband started to get really resentful of my business. Mm. And, you know, hindsight 2020, like if I could go back, I would have done things so much differently. But it caused a lot of strain in our marriage because I was so fixated on building this business and making it work. But I wasn't doing the things that actually drive the needle home, right? Like I wasn't actually doing what, I wasn't on the right path to get to the finish line. Mm -hmm. I was running laps around the track instead of like running straight to the finish line. And so we had a lot of hiccups, but I'm grateful. Like my husband has always let me force him into communication. (laughs) 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 And so like we had a lot of talks and then we started to set some boundaries and I started to recognize that there really, there had to be boundaries. There had to be systems. And most importantly, I had to be okay with the fact that I was never going to be the mother I thought I would be. I thought that I would be the kind of mom that was baking cookies and cakes for her children. Well, number one, I'm gluten-free. So that's not going to (laughs) happen. I mean, there's some gluten-free cakes out there that you can, they're just not that good, right? Mm -hmm. So that's not going to happen. Number two, I don't like cleaning a mess. Like I don't like cleaning at all. I have a housekeeper for that. Mm -hmm. So I get resentful. I enjoy the activity, but then I get resentful. I'm also kind of like a little bit of a perfectionist when it comes to cooking. So Mm -hmm. if you're making a mess and you're not getting all the ingredients in the bowl, I'm having an anxiety attack inside and I'm not enjoying the process. I didn't know that, right? When you look at the TV, it's like everybody's happy and all the ingredients fit. And when little Timmy (laughs) drops the egg on the counter, mom is like, oh, no worries. And just one bounty wipe picks it up. That's not the truth. It's like, freaking five bouncy wipes and then you have to get the spray and 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 like you're trying to get all that and they're still mixing stuff and they're still making mess and you're like stop touching things and mm-hmm. I mean it's just that chaos mm-hmm. and I had to come to peace and accept like that's not the mother that I am right that's not the mother that I can be while I'm building this business and let me say let me make sure that I clarify this that's not the mother that I could be. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that there are many other people listening right now. You could. You could do the baking and the cookies and the thing and whatever and also still run your business. But that just wasn't fulfilling for me. Right. And I had to forgive myself for not being that mother that I thought I should be. 
That's um, so huge. And that's going to be a huge part of just this whole Naptime Empires conversation. And that's why I've been so resistant to starting it because I'm like, ah, I don't want anyone to think that there's one right way. I mean, everyone knows, everyone knows there's not one right way, just like there's no one right way to have a successful business. And what does success even mean? You know, that's different from person to person. So it's especially true that there's no one right way for being a great mom or being a bad mom. Like it's all unique to not even just like the family, but from child to child and from relationship to relationship. And I think that the biggest piece when it all boils down is this self-compassion. And like you were talking about the forgiveness of like, okay, this is the reality though. So in my head, sure, this is what I was expecting or thinking or wanting or dreaming, but this is the reality. And this is what I'm choosing to create. You know, if it really Mm -hmm. meant a lot to you to choose to like, no, we're going to bake the freaking brownies and this is going to happen and we're going to be okay with it, then that would be a choice. And it's also a choice to be like, all right, that's not our thing. So let's find out what is. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you said that. And I'm so thankful that we have this platform to have these discussions because another thing that I found myself feeling was extreme resentment towards my children. Oh my goodness. I was, every time I would look at them, if I were frazzled because I was, you know, trying to do this or trying to do that or in this launch and they needed something, I'd get so frustrated that they needed me and that they were pulling me away from something that meant so much to me. And let me take a step back and say, when my children were born, I didn't bond with them. I didn't, you know, okay, I might get emotional here. So forgive me. That's totally okay. But Women, I had always heard women say that when their children were born, they felt this like immense feeling of overwhelming love, of like being in love with their children. Mm. And I didn't feel that. What I felt was responsibility and pressure. And so my first daughter, when she was born, again, I looked at her and first of all, she doesn't look like me. Well, she's starting to look like me now, eight years later. Yeah. But when she was born, she didn't look anything like me. So I thought like, if I hadn't pulled her, so in Germany, when you have a baby, you actually reach down and you pull your own baby out. It's a really cool thing actually. But yeah. So if I hadn't actually pulled her out with my own two hands and gotten to see her come out of me, like look at her full face, I truly would have thought they switched her in the room because, mm-hmm. because so she didn't look like me. And, you know, at the time my husband and I were not married. So it was that there was that fear of like, am I going to have to do this by myself? Is he going to leave me? Like once it gets hard, there were a lot of insecurities. Right. And then to add insult to injury, she ended up having what we thought was a tumor. And so they had to put her into the NICU and she had like an IV coming out of her head. And when I saw her in that very fragile state, I looked at her and I remember thinking and I audibly said it, it's just you and me, kid, mm. and I'm going to take care of you. But I didn't feel that love. I felt like I got to make sure that this little human being is set and that she survives and that she feels loved. I consciously knew that that was important to children's development, right. their need to feel security and loved. But I didn't, I, I just didn't have that feeling. It was painful for me. It was really, really painful because I wanted to bond and connect with her the way that I saw all these other moms doing. And I wanted to play dress up with her. But when it actually came time to doing those things, I just could not do them. So 
we move forward. I have my second child who comes out at lightning speed. I was only in labor for like 35 minutes. 40. It was amazing. <laughs> it was like five pushes, if that. I think three, but someone counted five. And she was out into the world. And I didn't have that cold frigidness that I had with my first child. But I also did not feel those I'm in love with you. I can't love anyone as much as I love you feeling. And I felt cheated. I felt robbed. Sorry. That's okay. So I had a lot of resentment, resentment that I was never able to connect with them. I'm connected with them now. So there's like silver lining, you guys. Mm -hmm. But for those first few years, while I was building a business and they were still babies, right. I was so frustrated because my business was something that I loved and I was in love with my business. And I felt for my business, everything that people said I should have felt for my children. How did it shift? So you said, cause now the girls are how old? Eight. My babies are now eight and six. So the shift really came when I got consistent. Okay. Cause you started it, right? When did you actually start the business in the lineup? How old were they when you started? They were, they were two and about, they were two and a half and like maybe eight months. They okay. were babies. So the shift that needed to happen was I had to forgive myself for feeling those feelings. And I had to just accept that it's okay to resent your children. It doesn't mean you don't love them. It doesn't mean you wouldn't kill somebody if they messed with them. Mm-hmm. It just means that, at certain moments of the day, there are things that you rather be doing than being with them. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Like we're allowed to have our own personal wants and desires that don't revolve around our children. It's okay to want alone time. It's okay to want to take a bath without having a little hand under the door. Saying, <laughs> Do you see it? You're like, can I just slip this under the door to you? Could you? But I still get that, by the way. <laughs> They're six and eight. So it was a lot of forgiveness. And it was a lot of being honest with myself about who I was as a mother, who I was as a businesswoman, who I was as a wife, and who I wanted to be, and how I was showing up for all three of those very important people and things in my life. So I set some very good boundaries for myself. My husband and I had some really great conversations about what we each needed to feel like the business wasn't sort of the pee under the mattress. Yeah, I was going to say, what kind of boundaries? Like, what did that look like? Yeah, so number one was going to bed together. It really Mm -hmm. bothered him that I would work till like two or three in the morning, but that was like my creative time. Yeah. So we came up with a system. I would get in bed with him. And as soon as he started snoring, I would hop out of bed (laughs) and go to work and then get back in bed so that he woke up with me. So that was important. Another thing was making sure that at six o'clock I closed the laptop and there was no work happening unless it were like a launch or delivery, you know, sometimes you deliver a course and there's coaching calls and to accommodate, you might have one evening call. So, but there were not every night calls and there was not something every single night taking me away from them. And a really important thing for my husband was show me the money, show me that you're making money and that it's worth the time that we're sacrificing because I was traveling a lot. I was speaking, I was trying to build a name for myself. 
And so I was saying yes to everything. And I know some people will get to like, to where you and I are, Nikki, where, you know, we've had success and like, we have a business that generates consistent income. Like I will own it. I have a great business. Some people will get to where we are and then say like, don't say yes to everything. Don't do this. Don't do that. I can't tell you don't say yes to everything because I said yes to everything. <laughs> right. And I credit saying yes to most of the things with helping me build the business that I have today. When I lived in Japan, I paid $1,000 to speak on Tori Johnson stage in New York. I flew from Japan to New York to speak at this thing. It was like a whole huge production. That was a big thing. That yeah, was- that is a big thing. Travel at all. I mean, you know, we're on a hamster wheel of Houston to Honolulu, Houston to Honolulu, but just this year alone, well, obviously, because you got to snuggle with him. Deke came with us to Vegas because yeah. my sister Stacy came with us. And then we did this photo shoot for Naptime Empires when we went to DC. And I'm just like, dude, I like to say that the Navy, Hawaii, and breastfeeding literally keep me grounded for now. So I'm not on the yes train <laughs> for stuff as much as I love connecting with people in real life. I was very much a, you know, like a hermit out here in Honolulu or have been at least for most of the time. So, but it's good to have that whole variety of experiences based on what feels good to you. Right. And for me, like, you know, if I had listened to the gurus that tell you like, don't say yes to everything and family has to be your number one priority. I would never have gotten on that plane and I wouldn't have gone to that event and I wouldn't have met and made the connections that I made that I have today. Yeah some of them. So do what feels right for you, right? If honoring your family first above everything is your number one priority. Awesome. If you are like me where your family is your priority, but your goals and your personal dreams are also a priority, then figure out whatever makes you say hell yes, then go for that. This is my gauge. If I have even the slightest of like, uh, I don't know, then it's a no. Mm, Yeah, that's good. But if it's like, oh my gosh, I have to be a part of this. Okay. I'm going to be a part of this. Who's going to watch the girls? Let's work out logistics. So for my heart, but let me take a step back and make sure that we answer the question. Cause I do have ADD, which also (laughs) was a big issue for me. I had undiagnosed ADD and people had tried to tell me for years that I had ADD and I didn't want to listen. So I was all over the place with ideas and inconsistent. And so for my husband, he really wanted to see those dollars and bills. He wanted to see where the money was coming. He wanted to ensure that we were getting a return for me being away from the family, whether physically or mentally. Right. And once I realized that about him, I made it a point like, okay, now I have to make money because for as long as he didn't ask me about that, and I didn't have to show anything, I didn't really have to produce anything. Right. It was just like a, like a hobby, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a jobby because I was working harder than I had ever <laughs> right. worked on something I loved that wasn't giving me any money. Right. So that's when I was like, okay, wait a second. I hear my husband loud and clear. Like, I need to start making money. And that helped me settle down. I started going to therapy. I went to EMDR therapy. And I just, I do want to give credit where credit is due. Shalene Johnson was a mentor of mine around that time. And she suggested that I go to EMDR therapy. And that was really instrumental in me working through these emotions that I had tried. EMDR? EMDR therapy. It is is 
Okay, so I don't even know what it's really called. Okay, we'll Google uh, it. <laughs> we'll Google it. So it is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy. Oh. And yeah, it's, it's super fancy, high-tech stuff. So what you do is, first of all, you go through several therapy sessions where they're just getting your history, and they're looking for the trauma in your life. And I've had a lot of trauma. Both of my parents died of AIDS. My mother died when I was three. I had two eating disorders. I was an alcoholic. Like I had a lot of trauma. Yeah. And so you give out the history of all the stuff that you've been through. And once your provider has like the big picture, you start to pick the areas that you want to work on most. And when you're ready for the actual EMDR therapy, there are these sensors. Now I had sensors. There's also a light that they use, but I use sensors. They put these two sensors, one on each hand. You close your holding sensor. So just imagine two small stones in your hand because that's what it's like. Close your eyes and your therapist will guide you back into that memory. As he or she is guiding you back into that memory, the sensors will start to buzz alternating. What that is doing is it's replicating the process of REM sleep, which is your deepest sleep, which is where your brain actually reboots itself. So if you think of your brain as a computer, oh my gosh, this just got real techie, but I geek out over this. So wow, yeah. So if you think of your brain as a computer, and this is why sleep is so important, at night when you shut down, the REM, that deep, deep, deep sleep that most of us don't get enough of, is where all the files of the day are sorted and processed. So, you know, this is going into this memory bank, that's going over here. This is an analytical piece, this is an emotional piece, and it's going, you know, in every different folder that it needs to go in your brain. Well, when you experience trauma, at times what can happen is that when your brain processes and looks to file it, it will put it in the wrong file. So for example, one of my biggest traumas was my father giving me up to my godmother after my mom passed away. I was four years old. He gave me up and my conscious knowing was that he gave me to her because it was a better opportunity for me and he was doing the best he could. Mm -hmm. But the way that my brain processed it was my father abandoned me. And so we had to go back in and replicate that REM state so that we could sift through, sift through, sift through, recall that memory and have me talk about that memory as it really happened. It's powerful, powerful work. And TRICARE does cover it. So if we have any military mamas out there listening, yeah, um, not only does TRICARE cover it, but many of the larger bases that have hospitals have EMDR facilitators. It's also really good for PTSD and trauma. So it's a great little tool. Anyway, so I went through therapy. I forgave myself for not being this mom that I thought I was going to be. I started having powerful conversations with my husband about what he needed to see to feel good about the business. And then I got super consistent. And the journey to consistency is just that, a journey. And what I find is that everybody tries, most often, not everybody, but most people will try to get consistent with everything in their life at one time. Yeah, that would be a recipe for disaster for me. (laughs) Yeah, you can't. So just pick that one needle moving thing. For me in my business, the one needle moving thing that really changed everything was sending out my weekly email. Isn't that crazy? Just that one thing. It wasn't getting on Facebook. It wasn't connecting or going to all these big events. It was sending out that email consistently 
so that my readers fell in love with me and mm-hmm. trusted me. And then when I finally had something to sell them, which wasn't even my own program, I was an affiliate. I had built up this reputation with them because I was consistently delivering value that they raced to buy what I suggested that they buy. And I made my first $15,000 in one week. Boom skis. And everything changed. So I totally resonate with that consistency piece because, and I've said this so many times, and I know that by saying it, I am just perpetuating it by saying that I'm a commitment phobe and that Jeremy sucked up all the commitment that I had for my lifetime (laughs) since the age of 13. But I'm like, ah, okay, sure. I'll just do a season of the podcast, which by the way, I am positive that you doing a seasonal-ish approach to your podcast it gives permission to be like, no, I, I'm not committing to doing this all the time, people. Let's not get excited. Let's do, you know, do it while it feels real. Happens. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, just by showing up and being of service to people, it feels good to everybody involved. And if it doesn't feel good, then they can unsubscribe. But yeah, exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying. By showing up, I mean, people can't decide that they know, like, and or trust you unless they get to know you. And mm-hmm. that's the way to do it is to actually show up and communicate whatever the medium is. So Okay. You talked about the boundaries and examples of going to bed together, even if it was just like, all right, he's mm-hmm. asleep. I'm going back down, closing the laptop. Another thing, and I want to talk about the money real fast again. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I'm such a cutter offer. My bad. Do it. Do it. Once I started making money, it was important for both of us, for me to start writing checks that went into our joint account. And that might be like, we don't have joint accounts. Like he has his money. I have my money. We each pay for different things. But one of the things that he had been paying for was my car. So when I actually started making money for both of us, for both of us, it was a very full circle moment when I wrote him a check for Mm $7,000 and I said, here, pay off the car. Yeah. And that really helped change his view. He started to see like, okay, well, really the $15,000 week did it, but (laughs) (laughs) but it all came from just consistently showing up, doing the mindset work. That's so important. I'm such a huge believer in personal development and really listening to the BS that you're telling yourself and asking yourself, is this a rational truth or an irrational fear, thought or belief or emotion? Right. And it can be so tricky though, to step mm-hmm. back far enough to see it for what it is. You know, to me, that's the struggle. I'm like, well, yeah, we talk about mindset and I know the value of it and thoughts become things and whatever, but like really taking the time. And actually, as of the time we're recording this, I'm on day three of the Headspace app, take 10, like the meditation, whatever, to where you just mm-hmm. step back and you can see your thoughts for what they are. But like, to me, that's the thing. It's like, well, I know that logically, but when I'm actually in it to actually step back and be like, well, is that actually true? Is that a thing? How am I letting that impact my reality? Yeah. You know why that is Nikki? Why? Because there's a fear of actually confronting and dealing with the true emotion. Right. Because if you say this is an irrational fear, now you have to rationalize with yourself why you feel this fear. And that takes up time right? Actually sitting down to get centered with your thoughts takes time. And what are most of us, myself included still to this day, I don't have time to sit here and think about my feelings. I got to get this work done. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I have a mantra that I have been saying for myself forever is time bends for me. When I take the time I need, I get the time I want. It's so true too. It's backwards. It's how, I mean, 
for me, when I started my business, it was because I finally started waking up before Bryson. You know, I started mm-hmm. waking up before the sound of the baby monitor and like jolting to that adrenaline, like, okay, mm-hmm. okay I'm up, I'm up, you know? And so actually doing that and taking that time is what then created that space for me to actually tune in for the first time in who knows how long and mm-hmm. to notice the good stuff. So it's like, I think it's just something that we all need to keep reminding ourselves and reminding each other because it's so easy. It's bizarrely easy to just forget and you get swept up by the day as opposed to setting that intention. Like one of our last chats when we were talking about it, I was like, well, I know I should like write out what I want my day to feel like and what I want to create and blah, 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 but I don't actually do it, you know? So that's That's a really powerful exercise, Nikki. So I want to nudge you to do it again. Yes. Um, And tell our lady listening too. Yes. And so our ladies listening, I do it once a month. Once a month, I force myself to sit down. I have a manifestation journal. I force myself to sit down and write my life as I really am truly working to make it become. And there's way, and then I read back the past entries. And, you know, reading those entries back gets me so fired up and so freaking excited for the vision. Because the thing is that we lose our steam. That's why we're not consistent because we lose sight of the vision. We let life step in. We let the kids distract us. We don't have boundaries with our neighbors and with our friends and, or, you know, what have you. And that's really important too. That was another thing that contributed to the growth and development in my business was setting very clear boundaries with people. I am the type of person like, please don't invite me every day to like a BS lunch where we're going to talk for three hours because I don't have time for that. But if you need me, and you're having a situation, I will clear my entire schedule and give you my whole day. Yeah. Like there's boundaries. So yeah. that, that was important as well. And then, you know, the more consistent you are, the more confident you become because consistency, if you're, let me say this, cause this is a key distinction. If you are consistent in the right action, you will see results. And I already know somebody is saying, but I don't know what's the right action. Yes, you do. You definitely intuitively know there's one thing that you should be focusing on. I feel like there might be network marketers out here because I always seem to talk to network marketers. Your number one thing is inviting people to learn about whatever it is that you're selling, right? If you're a coach, your number one thing is showing up for your audience and delivering consistent value and resources. Like that's it. Show up it's pretty much always coming back to that. It's pretty much always, which is why it's so easy to convince yourself that by being on Facebook all day, (laughs) it's the jobby, right? Because it comes back to just connecting with real life humans. And that was always when I'm asked, like, what do you recommend? What's the recipe for success? And I say, know your value, know who needs it and communicate your value to the people who need it in a smart, authentic way, because that's all I did from the beginning. And it was a huge running start for my business because it's so easy. And I know from being on this side, when I then had all this white space to just like roll around in and be totally unfocused, it's so easy to bury yourself in the admin things and to be like, Oh no, but I really need to schedule some social media posts that are going to be going out. It's like, no, actually just connect with real life humans, even talking to them on the phone or on Skype or whatever about how you can show up and serve and whatever is on your heart, whatever you're noticing. I mean, that can be of service to people too. So, Oh, and there was one more thing that I did that I really, I would be remiss if we didn't mention it, but I got help. 
I got help way before I could afford it. Yes. I was going to ask you, when did you start getting help with the childcare and everything too? Because that's a huge, of course you're going to feel resentful if you literally, you can't clone yourself. You have to have help. Yeah. So the help came when the Luna Learning Lab failed. (laughs) May it rest in peace. Oh, it was such a cute little room. (laughs) I woke up one day and I was like, I can't do this. Like, I can't. I'm not the mom that I want to be and I'm not the businesswoman that I want to be. Like I am just failing on every different corner. I know that we can't afford this right now, but I have a credit card and there's some space on it. So we're going to do what to do. And ironically, so the kids were still two and a couple months, maybe three and one, yeah. yeah, like three and one. And it was just a couple of hours every day. At first it was a couple of hours, three days a week. And I was like, nah, let's just do it every day. Cause then I started making a little bit of money and I was like, yeah, I would like more time. Yeah. And, then, and it became an everyday thing, a couple of hours every day. But that was really important because while they were gone, I knew I had this window of time to get it done. Yeah. And so I worked harder. I worked more efficiently, more effectively. I focused more, even though I have ADD. And at the time I wasn't even taking meds yet, but there was someone who cared about my children, who was giving them the best. And then when they got home, I was a better mom because I actually, you know, missed the little boogers. <laughs> that was huge. Hiring help. So for me, I got help in first in the form of a nanny for the kids or daycare, whatever you want to call it. But I took mm-hmm. them to someone else's house and I got them out of my house and out of my space And then secondly, I got a virtual assistant and with the virtual assistant didn't come to like maybe a year and a half, two years into the game. And that was because I didn't know how to lead a virtual assistant. Right. Which is a huge, I mean, that could be a whole nother conversation. This is the thing I'm finding with this podcast business is that I'm like, oh, but we could talk about mm-hmm. so many different things. So it might be that like you're on five episodes once we <laughs> because that really is it's so important. And the key patterns and things that I'm hearing you talk about are expectations, uh-huh. like your expectations of what motherhood would be and your expectations of how the business was going to roll and then managing that and how to be okay with the reality versus the expectations and then taking action to change it if you want to, you know, when your reality isn't meeting expectations and you're ready to let the expectations go or you're ready to like kick into gear, which you did with that consistent action and then actually getting support and help. And I know that's going to be one of the biggest themes in all of these conversations because when I've read through hundreds of responses of people interested in just whatever the heck Naptime Empires turned into, people are like, well, I don't have this focused time. I'm distracted. So I feel like I'm never making any ground. And it's like, dude, because you've got to have help or you need to be okay with managing the expectations that there's only so much you can do as one human being. And forgiveness Yeah, around that. Right. Oh, that's so lovely. I love you so much. Okay. Thank you for sharing all of it. I mean, all of it. I have not a doubt in my mind that there is more than one person who's listening to this thinking like, I'm so glad I'm not the only one who felt that way. So it really means a lot that you shared again, not just with me, but we're actually recording this and sharing it with people. (laughs) So is there anything else 
again, just wrapping up, this is our warm up conversation for Naptime Empires. Is there anything else that we didn't cover or just any parting wisdom? You know, it's not necessarily easy. I don't want to say it's not easy because I don't want to like speak that into reality for people, but it's a challenge to be able Mm -hmm. to build an empire and to be able to build a business while also showing up as you want to show up, whatever that looks like as a mom. Is there anything else that we didn't cover that you would love to send out there to those who are in the trenches with you? Yeah. Well, I mean, number one, it would be, which is the hardest thing. And even for myself is pace yourself. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You're not behind. And trust me, like I went to B school through with Denise Stuffield Thomas. She was at one point my hustle buddy. And then I woke up one day and she had a million dollar course and I was still like putzing around. And I know that the ego will make you feel like I'm not good enough. How come this? How come that? You're running your own race. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. So just honor that moment. And if you find that you haven't progressed to where you want to go, then I just challenge you to ask yourself. And these are questions that I asked myself in that moment. Who do I need to be? And what actions do I need to take to become the woman who has that version of the business that I want? And then go for that. You know, stay consistent work on your mindset and your confidence because I think for me, those are the secret recipes. Which is a perfect segue (laughs) to my last question, which is how can we find you? You know, because I think that you're going to have a lot of people who are like, wait, who, what was your name again? How can I find her? What can she help me with? And how can I connect with her more? So what are the best places where people can find you? Yeah, well, the best place to find me is over at rachelluna.biz, B-I-Z. That's the best place. Like, come on over and find me at rachelluna.biz. I am at rachelluna.tv on all the platforms. Okay. Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. I have a Twitter, but I don't tweet. Uh, Um, Yeah, I don't. (laughs) But yeah, so rachelluna.biz or at rachelluna.tv.com on any of your favorite social media platforms. Well, buddy, thank you again. Thank you, sister. Sharing and shining and doing what you do, honestly. And I know I say this to you a lot because everyone says this to you, but you really are just talking to you. Your, you know, authenticity is a word that people throw around a lot, but like, I just love that you just go there and you share your stories and you share the lessons from them. And it's so appreciated. And you're filling a role walking along the planet that nobody else can fill. And I'm really thankful that you did choose to put yourself out there and to step into it and that you're continuing to do it. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch it evolve. Well, thank you, my love. Thanks for having me. And thanks to everybody listening. It's been great spending time with you today. All right, dude. Talk soon. Bye. This show may be over, but the conversation is just beginning. Head on over to naptimeempires.com slash Facebook so you can join my free, wait, did I say free? I meant priceless, rapidly growing community of Naptime Empire Builders for deeper discussions, behind the scenes scoop, and of course, updates whenever I've got new stuff coming up for you. naptimeempires.com slash Facebook. See you there. See you next time. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Good job, buddy.